Hello once again to episode 8 of the F and Marks podcast. I am your co-host, Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. And uh, we wanted to take a moment before we started this podcast, uh, considering today's date. Uh, today happens to be September 11th, which a lot of as people... As we're recording. As we're recording. Um, a lot of people know it as 9-11. 15 years ago today, the greatest tragedy in the history of our country took place in New York City, Washington, D.C., and in Pennsylvania. Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Which just shook this country to its core. The world. And thousands of people died. Can't really go into like specifics of how meaningful today is to this country, but on this day every single year, we like to pay respects to the people who took part in 9-11, uh, whether they were the first responders and... Um, um, Sorry. And the unfortunate uh, loss of life and, you know, kind of the loss of life that has happened since then from the different wars that we got into. And well, it's, you know what, it's noble fight that, you know, we've taken up trying to defeat global terrorism as a result of, you know, what happened on 9-11. Because really before then, we really just kind of dabbled in trying to thwart out terrorism, but after 9-11, it was like, all right, we're on to you now. Right, and um, there is a little bit of meaning of uh, 9-11 actually being part of a wrestling podcast. Uh, maybe people don't know this, but back in uh, 2001, the very first uh, event that actually took place after 9-11 well, the first major, like, sporting event where there was a large gathering. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, SmackDown. And I remember that they had the, you know, the superstars come out, they paid tribute everything, and they had the Rock cut a promo and everything. Very, very classy move by the WWE. They handled it very well. They did everything very well with that. And, you know, so it kind of goes hand in hand with this podcast, considering this is a wrestling podcast. Uh, so, you, you know, we're 15 years on, and uh, you know what? I still remember things very clearly that happened that day, and, you know, it definitely is one of those things that you're just never going to forget where you were if you were alive and, you know, remember. Exactly. Uh, so... Definitely remembering those who lost their lives on this day. Very tragic day in this country. But uh, let's liven it up a little bit. How about that, Jay? I'm sorry that it's kind of... Hey, you, you know, well, you know, we needed to at least pay respects to people for a couple of minutes there. You know, speaking of respect, I hope that some of the people listening to this podcast can respect me, Bobby the Brainless, a little bit. Um, considering that I drove over eight hours from Connecticut back down to Virginia yesterday, ruined a perfectly good Saturday of watching college football, mainly Notre Dame, to make sure that I was home in time last night. That's dedication. To, to drink and then sleep it off and be ready for this podcast today. And drink again. And drink again. I did this for you, you marks. I showed up and made sure I was home in time to do this podcast for you. 
I hope that I get the uh, the respect that I deserve. Put some respect on that for me. Um, I do it for you. Uh, the many, 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 all three of them last week's listeners. Hey, calm for down. A calm down. Don't. Well, I'm just pandering. <laughs> You're pandering. My God. Uh, so, you know, tonight, uh, big pay-per-view, Backlash. And leading into Backlash, you know, this is our first, you know, brand-exclusive pay-per-view. Uh, so I think we'll talk SmackDown first and talk about it leading into Backlash. Uh, SmackDown, I think, overall, you know, I think they did a pretty good job of building up the matches for tonight's show. There aren't actually a ton of matches, but, you know, the thing that was really most prominent was, you know, the women's uh, six-pack match, which now has been turned into an elimination match. Uh, You know, they had them in the opening segment. They had, like, stuff later on in the card where, like, it built the storyline, so... You know what? I'm glad they're featuring the women more prominently. I'm able to take them a little more seriously, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of see uh, who ends up winning that thing. I have to give them credit for the way that they've set up this pay-per-view, considering they did such a poor job building up to SummerSlam uh, just last month. Very very horrible build-up. They just it just kind of fell flat. I mean, the pay-per-view as a whole was just like, it started off good and then it became bad. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they build up the first brand split pay-per-view. I think it's kind of funny that the first one is going to be for a SmackDown pay-per-view. Yeah, it, you know, with Raw being the flagship show of the WWE, you would have thought that that would have had the first brand split pay-per-view, but... They're clearly going with the future with SmackDown. I think it's going to be a very good card tonight. Uh, the way that they handled the women's division match with the opening segment, they they had all the women out there. Tensions kind of got a little yeah, crazy and everything. Yeah. And yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be an interesting match. Like you said, they did change it to an elimination match. Now, uh, who who do you think's gonna win that thing? Because honestly, to me, it like I think there are four women who could conceivably win this match. You got four. I have four that I think. Like I don't think. I think to me, the favorite is the to me the co-favorites would be Becky or Nikki. I think they're the only two that have that could legitimately win this thing. I know you have the, I think there's the sentimental a, pick of uh, Natty Neidhart because she's been I there won't forever. Even, I, I think she has no shot. Wow. I think Alexa Bliss has no shot. I think with the buzz kind of going around, like Naomi with her new presentation is really cool looking, and I think people are kind of into it. I think she is a dark horse, and I think, I mean, they kind of, with Carmella, Carmella stood tall on SmackDown, and they definitely, storyline-wise, are trying to make her seem like she has a shot. I would say she is a long shot, but I would say Nikki or Becky, then Naomi, and Carmella. The other two, like I said, I don't think they'd go with them. I actually disagree with a couple of those. I 100% agree with that. The, uh, the two heavy favorites are Becky Lynch and Nikki Bella. I think that 
uh, Becky Lynch has a slight edge over Nikki I think Bella because it's the new era and, and they're trying to get is, new people. And this is her show. She was the first female draft pick to SmackDown. They want to, you know, they they brought her in there. I think that she's the logical choice. Nikki Bella, you know, you got the experience. You got the fact that she's got a she's had a great career, has the track record. Yeah, could definitely see her winning it. My long shot dark horse con- contender is actually Alexa Bliss. All right. I really do think ultimately it's going to come down to either Nikki Bella or Becky Lynch. I personally think they're going to be the last two standing in this match. And one of them is going to go over and win the title from the other one. But would I be completely surprised if Alexa Bliss wins? No, I would not be surprised at all. With the WWE, you never know what can happen. Well, uh, one thing uh, I would say, despite the fact that I think those two women are the favorites, one of them uh, winning, the way WWE has been booking things lately, they've been doing a lot of like little swerves. I mean, look back at the Royal Rumble this year. Everybody expected when it came down to, like, the the final few guys where it was Ambrose, Reigns, and Triple H, everybody assumed that it was going to come down to Triple H and Reigns. What ended up happening? It was Triple H and Dean Ambrose. And the crowd went bonkers for it. Everybody for the tag team tournament, which we'll talk about a little bit later, thought it was going to come down to, like, American Alpha and Rhino and Slater. And... They didn't do that. Well, they did, but they didn't. They kind of gave it to us and then took it away like a few moments later. But they've been doing that kind of with, you know, somewhat frequency lately. Think about Jericho and AJ Styles at WrestleMania. I was actually going to bring up the uh, the point of the Universal Fatal 4-Way Elimination match. That too. I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people thought that when Triple H made an appearance and he attacked Roman Reigns, and it was down to Seth Rollins... And Kevin Owens in the ring, and I'm sure everybody thought that Seth Rollins was going to be the one that ultimately was going to win the match, and he ended up getting pedigreed, and Kevin Owens ultimately won the Universal Championship, which I'm still kind of marking out from. Right. But, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So, I think they might surprise us, and one of the favorites, I think, might be one of the first couple eliminated, or at least won't last until the end. It's just, just to kind of shock the audience. If... If it ends up being Becky Lynch is one of the first ones eliminated, you could bet your sweet ass I'm either going to try to take a nap or I'm going to go out for a cigarette or go to the bathroom. Or or, uh, have a Twitter freak out tonight. Oh, I'm definitely going to have a Twitter freak out if she gets eliminated. Oh, by the way, if you aren't following us on Twitter, how dare you? But if you want to follow us uh, in the hijinks that we have on Twitter, we are the F underscore N Marks. On Twitter. That's don't, our Twitter handle. Don't forget the at at the beginning of that. Right. Right. So uh, follow us there uh, and uh, give us a follow. We'd enjoy that. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know what? If you're going to twist my arm and I have to make a prediction, I'm going to say Becky Lynch wins tonight. Agreed. All right. So uh, that, w- that was rather quick and painless. Right. <laughs> well, uh, and we uh, kind of talked a little bit about this, uh, but why don't we get into the tag team tournament? We had American Alpha facing the Usos. American Alpha looked awesome in this match. They won really quick. At the beginning, you know, you had the Usos, you know, given the handshake, you know, it seemed like, uh, hey, we're good guys, you're good guys, 
you know what may the best team win then uh after they uh lose quickly they change their attitudes and they destroy american alpha and have kind of created chaos pardon me for the backlash uh tag uh finals for the tag tournament uh i thought it was a interesting swerve because i mean i think everybody kind of assumed american alpha and was going to win this thing i kind of in, enjoyed the fact that they swerved us because you know, if you get what you expect all the time, you're just going to get bored. I, I enjoy the fact that they kind of do this. But. And obviously, American Alpha wasn't the only thing that got destroyed. Uh, Chad Gable's knee or ankle, I think it was his knee, was also part of what got destroyed on You know Tuesday. what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, Karate Kid, when John Kreese tells uh, the dude to sweep the leg. But Sensei, I could beat this dude. But, like, the way that they kicked down on uh, Gable's leg reminded me of that. I was like, ooh, Cobra Kai. Uh, you're going to have to refresh my memory a little bit. Um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but I could have swore, whether it was you or if it was Cousin Ryan a few podcasts ago, that actually called the Usos making a heel turn. And it was you. It was me. You know, I, I would love to give Cousin Ryan some, you know, props for something that he predicted, even if he's not here. Hopefully he's still listening to the podcast, of Cousin course Ryan. He's, of course he's still listening. But I, I thought, you know, we, we hit it pretty dead on with that. And obviously you were the one who ended up hitting on that. You ultimately thought that it was going to end up being the Usos versus uh, American Alpha in the finals. I, I didn't realize the, 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 yeah, the bracket were... was set up a, a specific way, so it prevented that from happening. Personally, I I'm still trying to wrap my head around how they're doing the remainder of this tournament. You know, with American Alpha getting hurt, because it should have been American Alpha going up against Slater and Rhino, who beat the Hype Brothers or Hype Bros or whatever the hell you know, woo woo woo, and and, right. and that coked up. Uh, the, the, uh, the generic uh, Ultimate Warrior. And, you know, they, they were victorious against them. And so now it's Slater and Rhino waiting for the winner of the Usos and the Hype Bros, who are going to be fighting probably the lead off the pay-per-view. Or I, I somewhere think it'll be pre-show, maybe. Maybe it'll be pre-show. Maybe it'll be the first match of the pay-per-view. Yeah. Maybe it'll be the second match. Who knows? Maybe they'll have their match right before they fight... Uh, Slater and the Rhino. Well, I mean, Slater and Rhino legitimately won their way into the the finals here, uh, beating the Hype Bros. And honestly, the the Usos' tactic here reminds me a little bit of Edge, because Edge, like I, re I remember years ago, like he he lost his title in like there was like an elim elimination chamber match, and he beat the crap out of the person who, I forgot who it was, I think it was Kofi Kingston. It was Kofi Kingston. And he ends up beating the crap out of Kofi and more or less taking his place in winning the, I think it was WWE Championship. And it kind of reminds me of that where the Usos, you know, and they ended up kind of talking about this uh, with Renee Young during the show. They talk, they talk about feeling disrespected, but like when they felt disrespected from the crowd. Now they're kind of, you know, 
they lost, but they're like, you know what? No, no, no. We're going to make our own opportunity. So they made their oppor- own opportunity to get back into this tournament, which uh, even though they've made their own opportunity and they've turned heel and all that stuff, I I still think that Heath Slater and Rhino ultimately are going to win this thing. I would normally agree with you on something like this where I think that Rhino and Slater are going to ultimately win this thing. But I just got this feeling that the Usos are going to beat the Hype Bros. They're probably going to take out Zack Ryder and his his very, very aesthetic hair. And, it's tremendous. And then they're going to go up against Slater and Rhino. They'll probably attack Rhino before the match, and then it'll just end up being like he's Slater and his 47 children. By go- the way, that, w- that was like the greatest segment on SmackDown. SmackDown is just a better show than Raw now. Well, it's two hours versus three, so... I mean, obviously, the longevity of the show plays a part of it, but they can actually get a pretty decent story across for a lot of different storylines in such a short period of time, whereas Raw, like we've said before, with the drawn-out 25-, 30-minute-long segments where you fall asleep twice and Roman Reigns or John Cena or Triple H are still talking... Yeah, I'm sure they they're all still talking right now too. But um, I think ultimately the Usos are going to end up taking the tag team titles. All right. Um, would it surprise me if Slater and Rhino were victorious? Not at all. But I, the way that they're kind of building it right now, I think that the Usos end up taking it. All right. So you think they're building to American Alpha Usos, like you know maybe for TLC? Well, I or something like that. I could see Slater and Rhino actually going after the Usos until American Alpha comes back, you know, when Chad Gable comes back from his injury, yeah, quote-unquote injury that he has, his K-Fab, we'll call it. Yeah. And I something like that could happen, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. they, I could see them doing something where they have, like... The heel tag team getting chased after by the face tag teams. Just because it's a little bit different than Raw. Because Raw obviously has the face tag team that is the tag team champions. And still that long running over a year now as tag team champions. Don't you dare be sour and all that jazz and everything. I I think ultimately the Usos end up on top. All right. So little disagreement there. But hey, you, you know what? I think... It's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening. Uh, another match for tonight uh, is uh, Miz and Dolphin, I think, on SmackDown. You know, they did a decent job of building that. Um, they had Miz go against Apollo Crews. He ends up beating Apollo Crews clean. And I feel a little bit bad for Apollo, but you know what? Honestly, the Miz has been killing it lately. Uh, I think him with his wife, with this, you know really hyper-intense attitude that he's had in recent weeks. This is the best we've seen of The Miz, and, I mean, I love Dolph, Uh, but The Miz, endless intercontinental title reign, I think, absolutely continues. You know, this is the match that it's your boy versus my boy for the intercontinental title. I think it's going to be an entertaining match, but oh, I know that a... Dol- I, I just know Dolph's going to lose. 
I've resigned myself to that fact. You know, you just kind of ruined it because I was actually thinking that we could do like a uh, your boy versus my boy, and we could make like a friendly wager out of it. Like, if if Dolph Ziggler wins, that I gotta you know chug a beer or shotgun a if, beer. Or if, if the Dolph Miz Ziggler wins, wins tonight, I'm gonna chug a beer. What? I'll chug two beers. What? I'm not gonna go to three. I I don't want to die tonight. And, and you know what? I'm gonna. Add on to that a little bit. If The Miz is victorious and his never-ending Intercontinental title reign continues tonight, I will shotgun a beer. And not only will I shotgun a beer, we're going to record it, and, and we're going to put it on our Facebook and Twitter accounts. I know that the last time that we said that we were going to do something like that, where we took the shots... We did take them. We did take them, but unfortunately... We didn't record them. We didn't record them... I blame it on the amount of alcohol we consumed. I will definitely, I'm definitely going to be a man of my word on this one. If The Miz does retain the championship, and believe me, I have no reason to believe differently, I will shotgun a beer. We shall record it, and we will put it on our Twitter and Facebook accounts. So stay tuned for that. Because somebody, somebody's either going to chug a beer or shotgun a beer or drink a beer or well, I'll be beer, chugging beer. Too, or you're going to shotgun a beer. And, and just a reminder for everybody, follow us on Twitter, the F underscore N marks. Boom. Don't we have a Facebook page, too? We have a Facebook page. It's, uh, I, I forget the exact, like, thing, but search for the F and marks on Facebook. You'll find us. It's the picture of Jay with the Chuck Norris shirt on in front of the American flag and Bobby the Brainless marking out by meeting Rob Van Dam. Good stuff, good stuff. So uh, another thing at the, uh, with, with SmackDown this week, we had uh, uh, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton promos. I, I thought the promos hyping their match were fine, but it was kind of, you know, a, a little bit of the same is what they did the week before, and it's all right. Uh, you know, you can't always have them, you know, in a match to help hype the show that's coming up for, you know, this weekend. So I thought what they did was fine, but, I, I mean, this week was, came off flat versus last week. Whatever. I think their match is going to be entertaining tonight. And with those two, they can get away with having the battle of the mind games between the Viper and, that's what they've been doing. and the it's Eater been, of the World. It's been kind of fun. And personally, this is the match that I'm looking forward to. I've been waiting for Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt for a while. It's It's something that... Probably should have happened at WrestleMania. Obviously, a couple of people getting hurt, you know, affected that. You know, that... But it's something that I'm excited for. I really am. I think that, you know, this is going to be a chance for Bray Wyatt to be like, all right, well, I'm tired of being the guy that puts every... You know, that keeps getting squashed in these things. I should have the opportunity. I deserve a chance. And who knows? If he beats the 12-time World Heavyweight Champion... Maybe he's next in line if AJ Styles is unsuccessful in winning the championship from Dean Ambrose. Um, anything's possible with that as well. We'll get into that a little bit in a little bit. But 
Honestly, I, I'm having a hard time picking this match, which means that they've kind of booked this pretty well. Again, if you're talking, they talk this is the new era, it should be Bray Wyatt going on, but for some reason, with the way they built this up, this does not feel like a one-off feud, like where they get one pay-per-view match. I'm thinking there's going to be some sort of effed-up finish. Uh, I don't know what it'll be. I don't know if it's going to be a double count-out. I, I, double DQ, I don't know. Oh, hell, all we know is that Luke Harper, of all people, can make an appearance because he's really the only one of the Wyatt family that hasn't been either drafted to a different show or exiled, or exiled into oblivion like Eric Rowan should have been years ago. Come on, he, he he's doing fine on main event and or superstars, right? Oh, no, nobody cares. Nobody cares about Eric Rowan. Uh, Sorry, Eric Rowan. But I think there's going to be some sort of F finished. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be more or less no contest, or I, I think if anybody ends up on top from this finish, you know, I think Bray will win, but it's not going to be the cleanest victory. Oh, I agree with that. I think that some kind of shenanigans is going to happen. If Randy Orton wins, he's probably going to pull some ridiculous RKO out of his ass like he typically does. Or Bray Wyatt, something's going to happen where there's a distraction. It's like an RKO where like Wyatt falls out of the ring and then ends up hitting him with something that's hidden under the ring which will lead to another match. And like I said, I, I think there's more to this feud than right now. I think this is going to be, you know, a couple of matches. So. Oh, I agree. I don't want this to end after tonight. Kind of like how they did with the whole New Day and the, the Wyatt family, how that kind of just ended after one... That was know, unfortunate. Yeah. But, I mean, it's hey. neither here nor there. Um, honestly, either one of them can win tonight. And either one of them can win tonight, and I'm not going to be upset. Yeah. I love Randy Orton. I love Bray Wyatt. They're two of my favorites. I'm just hoping for a great match. I think the two of them are going to put on a good match tonight. We'll see how it goes. If I had to make a prediction, I'm going with Bray Wyatt tonight. All right, and that leads us to our our, our main event, which is going to be Dean Ambrose against AJ Styles. Honestly, I think this is so simple. AJ Styles is going to win, and I also think this will be the match of the night. Easily. Not so fast, my friend. AJ Styles goes over. I want to agree with you in the worst possible way. I really do. I've been a huge fan of AJ Styles for a long time. Loved him in TNA. He was the only guy worth watching in TNA when I was watching it. Very gifted, very talented, and he's been successful in every facet of the wrestling business, whether it was Ring of Honor, whether it was TNA, whether it was New Japan, obviously coming here, this is like the big leagues for him. This is his opportunity to, to finally showcase himself. Ultimately, he's going to become a world champion in the WWE. It's not happening tonight. I think that it's too early to take the championship off of Dean Ambrose. Because like we brought up previously, you kind of want to give some superstars some, a, you know, a little bit of length in their title reigns. You don't want to just like give somebody the title and then like two months later you take it away from them. 
like the whole thing they did with Roman Reigns, where Roman Reigns won the title and then Sheamus cashed in his briefcase, and then a month later Roman Reigns won it back, and then you know he lost the title in, in the Royal Rumble, and then he won it back at WrestleMania. That's stupid. That's stupid booking. You got to give, especially if this is the premier championship of the WWE. Dean Ambrose won the title in what July? We're in September. You're gonna you're gonna take the title from Dean Ambrose after two months. I just think that AJ Styles is a much hotter commodity at this moment. Maybe it was than June. Dean Ambrose. Wrong. It was either June or July that they they did the uh, it, Money in the Bank. Even so, like I said, I, I think AJ Styles his stock is so high. He he is performing at a level like. I never thought of him as a good promo, and then since he's been WWE, he's really been knocking it out of the park. And for me, like I, I just don't see a way where he doesn't win tonight. I could be wrong, but I, I fully disagree with you. I think that this maybe is this Dean is Ambrose. where our bet should be. I'm not making a bet when it comes to Dean Ambrose because if Dean Ambrose loses the title tonight, I'm going to be pissed about that. And then if I lose a bet, I'm going to be even more pissed about that. <laughs> I really just, I think that they're going to keep the title on Dean Ambrose a little bit longer. I really do. Would it ultimately surprise me if AJ Styles walked out without the title, or walked out with the title tonight? No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Because number one, they're in Richmond, Virginia, which is about 90 minutes from here. And guess which two marks are not going to that show tonight? Show of hands. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The, the two guys in the room here. Because Why? Because the NFL is more important than than the uh, backlash pay per view. Well, not necessarily. It's too many things going on. Too many things going on. Look, I understand that I just got back from Connecticut. You don't we're think I would have? marks. I would. I would drive there if the Giants were not playing the Dallas Cowboys at four o'clock. I have priorities. There are much more important things in this world to me than than, than a WWE pay per view, the backlash pay per view, or or, or, or whatever it is, or I, I'm getting so many mixed messages from you. You you make this grand journey back here, but football is more important to you than wrestling. Let me let me let me explain it to you, and I'm going to put this in an order so that you understand, and hopefully some of you marks out there that actually <laughs> listen to this podcast can understand. It goes football, then it goes college football. Then it goes Boston Red Sox, professional wrestling, beer. In that specific order. Obviously, and we love I, them all, right? And I and obviously I could have thrown something else in that list that would have been a hell of a lot higher. Probably number two after the New York Giants in football. But I gotta keep it clean. Gotta be Ish. No, 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 we swear on this thing. The fuck are you talking about? I've never swore in this thing in my entire career on this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, So let's move on to Raw. I think we kind of went through Backlash and SmackDown there. Raw was an interesting show. I thought it it was going pretty well up until, I don't know, about the two-hour mark. And then all of a sudden, they hit a brick wall known as the old day segment. Honestly, it was like the new day usually knocks it out of the park. Uh, Gallows and Anderson usually entertain the hell out of me. Holy shit, did this segment suck. I want to take it out of my brain, 
but it's stuck there, and it's stuck there forever. I almost hope I get Alzheimer's for that specific thing. You know the de- neuralizer they used in Men in Black? I want a flashy thing in my brain so I don't remember this. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I know that you were really bothered by that whole segment. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I didn't hate it. I really didn't like it. I didn't hate it though. Bringing in the old day and you know that kind of that kind of thing. It was kind of. It wasn't great. It was stupid. It was stupid, but kind of funny. I mean, I'm trying. It's sad because I'm trying to justify it just because that's how I am. It was justifiably awful in every way. Honestly, like on a, on a scale of one to ten, I'd give it a four. Uh, one. I have to give it a four. I'm a fucking mock. I'm a fucking mark, too. And I was, like, back in the day, Vince McMahon went on TV and said, we don't want to insult your intelligence. This segment insulted my intelligence. Wait a minute. Hold on. Terrible. Hold on on a second. Wait a second there, fella. You're going to tell me that that's your defense? Is that Vince McMahon comes out there and says he doesn't want to insult our intelligence? He's been uh, doing it hello, for a long time. Hello, have you seen the redhead that they put on SmackDown that insults my intelligence, that insults the wrestling locker room, that insults the WWE universe? And people justifiably hate her. I know, I'm one of them. To say, I, obviously, the whole thing with the Dr. Gallows and the Dr. Anderson, that, that, where was, that, that, was, that was good stuff. This, you know, them you know, playing off the whole, I, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to play off of the fact that Anderson and Gallows retired the Dudley boys, although I got a feeling that we have not seen the last of Bubba Ray and Devon. Maybe we've seen the last of Bubba Ray and Devon. We could Team. maybe we could see Bully Ray make an appearance, but regardless, they're playing it off. Dudley boys did the honors for Anderson and Gallows. Obviously, it's setting up for the Clash of the Champions pay per view that will be the first Raw base pay-per-view, which I think is kind of interesting that they're going to have Clash of the Champions, and it's, it doesn't seem like SmackDown's going to be part of it because it's typically the pay-per-view that only the champions fight on. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> it's actually called Clash of Champions, and I think everybody's confused with this. Mick Foley kept on calling it Clash of the Champions, too, which I thought was funny, and I'm I'm sure Vince McMahon was somewhere in the back like, it's Clash of Champions. Oh, wait a minute. You know, Vince McMahon has no room to talk. He had no idea that Luke Gallows was Festus. <laughs> How do you do that? I mean, come on, man. You're a, you're a billionaire who's been doing this longer than I've been on this fucking planet, and you can't tell the difference between who somebody is now and what they were before? Obviously, Luke Gallows looks a little bit different than Festus, but come on, man. Well, and think think about this. It wasn't like him as Festus was in there for a cup of coffee. No, he, he had a legitimate there for a, a couple of years, and he was actually in WWE as Luke Gallows. He he went from Festus to Luke Gallows, and he explained why Festus was the way he was, and then became Luke Gallows. Maybe Vince has Alzheimer's. So you're saying if I went and slept with his daughter, I could probably get away with it, he won't remember it? I'm not worried about her husband. I mean, the worst he's going to do is just go after me with a golden shovel, but... Right, but... 
Uh, so, I, I really detested this segment. And then what happened after that? We had Jinder Mahal against Darren Young. I mean, talk again. You're, you, you go from this old day segment, which I thought was absolutely horrible, to Jinder Mahal and Darren Young. I mean, it, think I, I didn't get to sleep because I was so freaking riled up. Usually, like, shit like this ends up making me fall asleep during Raw, and I have to go back and watch it. I was so pissed off about what was going on. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I don't even have words for the fact that they did Darren Young versus Jinder Mahal. I kind of just want to drop it right now because it just prototypical. We need to waste a third hour of Monday Night Raw because we need to give you three hours of Monday Night Raw. So here's Jinder Mahal and Darren Young. And despite all of that, and despite the fact that the main event was Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn in the never-ending feud, uh, they put on a really good match. and They typically they, do, too. But they couldn't, like, after it kind of raw fell off the cliff into that third hour, that match, <laughs> like, it took, it took a little bit of time before I was like, all right, all right. They put on a good match, and, you know, Kevin Owens won. Obviously, he's the champion. He should win. I'm glad that uh, WWE's still making him look strong, and hopefully at some point in the... I think it'll be a, a, a couple of WrestleManias away. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, main event. Oh, God, I think it's going to be this year. I don't think it... I don't think they're going to do it this year, but we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, they're going to do something. I mean, we're only a 14-hour drive away, and we've been discussing going to WrestleMania this year, and I would love to go to WrestleMania this year and see Shaquille against Big Show. Don't fucking bring that shit up in my attention. Come on. But uh, overall, though, uh, also with Raw, you had, uh, somewhat surprisingly, uh, Sheamus going up 3 to nothing in his... Uh, best of seven against uh, Cesaro, and I think they're setting up for the uh, Boston Red Sox comeback here. Shocked. Shocked is the word that I use to describe that. I was surprised that Sheamus went up 2 nothing in the best of seven series. When he went up 3 nothing. I was like, are you kidding me? They really are. And I also found it very interesting, Jay, that they've been on this tour that they have they started out in England, and then they made it their way to Asia. Uh, they're fighting in, I think, China and the Philippines, or Japan and the Philippines. I know the Philippines is part of it. Yeah, they, they, they've I, been globetrotting. And the interesting part of that is they actually had the fourth match of the Best of Seven series in England. And, lo and behold, Cesaro finally picks up a victory in that. So the series and is nobody not sees to, it, and nobody sees it. I mean, I appreciate the fact that on occasion uh, you end up with important matches in WWE that happen at house shows because guess what? You know what? It makes the house shows a little less predictable. I've always actually been a fan of the occasional title change on the house shows because you know what? Then when you go to the show, you're not like, well, they never do anything if it's not on TV, right? So I appreciate the fact that they're doing that, but like Seamus on TV 
has beaten Cesaro. Where Cesaro finally gets a win, and nobody nobody sees it. I I didn't agree with that either. I, I'm just hoping that, again, they have a big finale to this, and there's Cesaro winning in grand fashion. In a, in a Switzerland-slash-Ireland street fight where they start throwing, like, pints of Guinness at each other. I think that would be outstanding. Uh not to really like change the subject a little bit, but you did bring up the whole house show and how they do these great matches and everything. I would love to see because a, a little while back they were touring in Japan and they actually had a match between Chris Jericho and Shinsuke Nakamura. For the love of God, I want to find that. I want to watch that match. That's one of those matches that I'm like, you know, I would love to see Jericho versus Nakamura. You know, Jericho is one of those guys that you know, even at his age, is still one of the better in ring performers in the WWE and I can't say enough good things about Shinsuke Nakamura he's knocked a lot of great matches out of the park since he got introduced to the WWE universe you know from NXT and everything so I didn't mean to like change the subject but that's definitely one of those matches that that was one of those things though like you know WWE has kind of done this on occasion lately where they actually have a, a quote unquote house show that they show on the network that was that's one of those things where because it's a special attraction I think it would have been interesting to show on the network I agree I mean Nakamura is I mean a god in Japan so you know having that home crowd and getting that home crowd hype really would make him feel like an even bigger star. I don't know if they didn't show that specifically because he's still on NXT. I think if he was on Raw, maybe it would have been a little different, but we'll see. Right. Uh, Something else that happened on Raw that I'd like to bring up. It finally happened, Jay. We finally saw Braun Strowman not rip to shreds a local competitor. Yeah, I mean, uh, he he had a a match with Sin Cara, and uh, Sin Cara got a... a decent amount of offense. In the end, Braun looked really strong. He beat the hell out of Sankara so badly. He always looked strong, though. But, like, he beat the hell out of him so badly that Sankara could not in- answer to the 10 count and got countered out. One of the, like, rare countouts where it's not, like, the heel running away. This right. time it was the heel absolutely brutalizing, you know, the baby face. I am still... I know that at some point he had to have, like, legitimate opponents and, you know, have somebody look like they had at least a, a little bit of a shot or at least, like, like oh, my God, oh, my God, he this guy's kind of doing something to him. I just wish the man scout had his moment in the sun first. I knew that was coming, too. I really did. I really don't think that the um, the local competitors getting obliterated on Raw is going to end with Braun Strowman. I don't know why they decided that this week or this past week was a good idea to have him go up against Sin Cara as a somewhat legitimate competitor. But, I mean, the only thing I can see, honestly, is they had two other squash matches in this show. They had the Nia Jax match, which, eh, it's fine. That's because they don't have enough people or enough women on Raw for the women's division for Nia Jax to have anything but squash matches because it's like... 
But again, I, I mean, yeah. talking about this match specifically, you know, I think they didn't want to have a third squash match because they had surprisingly Bo Dallas with a, a bit of a new attitude. He still like goes around smiling, but he destroyed this local enhancement talent, Kyle Roberts, and like he, believe he, that he. he he looked like a complete badass, but, like, after he beat the crap out of this guy, he does, like, a victory lap with the big smile on his face, and you would think that, you know. Do you think that the uh, the new attitude that he has stems from the fact that he now has a police record? Maybe so, maybe not. Uh, hey, you know, if this was a plan push, great. If, if this is just a, a slight push to help put somebody over, whatever. But, you know what? I, I, li- I like new, aggressive Bo being a dickhead, but still like acting like he is the champion of people. I didn't hate it. That's all I'm going to say is I didn't hate it. I, I think it's kind of interesting that the guy hasn't really been on television since he got drafted to Monday Night Raw. And then it's like, all right, we're going to put you up against you know Joe Schmo, and you're going to blast the shit out of him. I do ultimately think that it means that Bo Dallas is going to be putting over somebody new, and he's just going to get fed to them. Kind you of do like an I, awful lot of thinking. I do a hell of a lot of thinking. I don't know why. But kind of like what they did with how they fed Billy Kay to Ember Moon. They built up Billy Kay to be you know, a little bit like More a legitimate threat, and then she got basically fed to Ember Moon. Ultimately, yeah. that's probably what's going to happen with Bo Dallas. Uh, so, uh, with, with Raw, uh, the only other really thing, really, that this was shocking to me, and, you know, when we were talking about things that they kind of swerve us with, the Shining Stars defeating Enzo and Big Cass. I'm still in shock over that. What, honestly, uh, I mean, the Shining Stars uh, have been a little bit more entertaining with the stuff they've been doing lately, but... Like honestly, they're they've repackaged this team so many times. Uh, I'm not going to completely write this off, but the fact that they actually won means that they're at least trying something with them. Uh, and I think a lot of people, again, similar to the tag team situation over on SmackDown, assume that Enzo and Big Cass at some point are are the guys. And I think this was WWE's way of saying, hold on a minute. I have nothing to say on this. Really? Not that I don't want to. I I, I just, I just, I can't. Why can't you? The Shining Stars really beat an Enzo and Big Cass. It's Was it a swerve for a swerve's sake, or do you think they're actually building towards, towards something? The best way to compare it to is when, a few years ago, Michigan lost to Appalachian State. And Enzo and Big Cass are Michigan, and the Shooting Stars or the Shining Stars or the Los Matadores or... En, uh, the Conquistadores. The Conquistadores, uh, Primo and Epico, or... Whatever they want to call themselves this week, and I'm sure it's going to be something different. The Islanders. Oh, wait. I thought that was the two uh, It was. All right. 
they, but they're still Islanders. They're, I, I, I they're, just, they're from the island of Puerto Rico. I just don't get it. I, I don't get why they did what they did. It made zero sense to have the shooting stars... Shining. Whatever. <laughs> Chew your gum. I just... All right. Like I said, I have nothing to say to this. I was extremely disappointed that Enzo and Big Cass lost to such a horrible tag team. I would have rather have them lost to a tag team built of local competitors if they had brought Mike and Mike back <laughs> from when they did a couple weeks ago and had them beat Enzo and Big Cass. I would have been okay with that compared to them losing to the Shining Stars because I don't care what you say, Primo and Epico are not Shining Stars in the WWE. Well, honestly, like pre-match promo-wise, uh, uh, I think I referred to them as uh, the less than shining stars or the dull stars. Because I mean, honestly, pre-match, I mean Enzo and Big Cass. Did I mean, it? the crowd is completely into oh, it. Oh, was it Enzo giving birth in the ring? Yeah, he, he they, they they had that se- segment where he, he 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 did that. I was just glad he didn't give birth to a hand. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, so... I, I, You know what? I keep calling the Academy. I keep nominating him for an Emmy, and that, that poor kid, if he doesn't win an Emmy this year, the Academy's going to hear from Bobby the Brainless. I uh, I think he's actually going to lose to The Miz, but it's all right. That's the only way he's going to lose to The Miz, but either way. Uh, so that, that, that was more or less raw in a nutshell. I mean, pretty good show up until that third hour where... Ooh. But we forgot something very important that happened on Monday Night Raw. Okay. They had the wonderful celebration oh. of Kevin Owens being now officially for the longest, six, reigning. the longest reigning universal champion in WWE history. I mean, that's it's incredible. I mean, he's what, 12, 13 days he's been he's been universal champion? Yeah, he, he long long reign. Uh, historic reign. I mean, it is and a historic. Chris Jericho aptly pointed out, historic reign uh, has never been topped. And uh, he set the bar at a at a range that I don't think anybody's going to be able to reach. You know, it, you know, thirteen days is a is a very very long time for somebody to be universal champion. So I mean, Bob Backlund lost the world heavyweight title in less than thirteen days. So yeah, so. Yeah, that celebration was. Uh, it was a great opening they had, segment. They had the balloons. They had the confetti. I really felt like they should have had like mounties lined up, going up and down the ramp, and Canadian flags. And I just I, love that they have and uh, Jericho just constantly talking about how Kevin Owens his best friend. Kevin Owens his best friend. But. I, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, obviously, Seth Rollins came out and interrupted because he's still a little upset about the fact that he got screwed over in the Universal title match by Triple H. He confronted Mick Foley and Stephanie in regards to what happened last week on Raw. Honestly, I thought we were going to see Triple H. Uh, I'm wondering if they're waiting for the pay-per-view or, like, literally, Triple H didn't show up. Usually after a big moment like that, the person who kind of 
people over, goes and explains himself or I, herself. Do you think that this is setting up for Triple H versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania this year? It, it could be because that was, I think, the original plan for this year was supposed to be uh, Rollins and Triple H, but obviously injuries and things like that kind of messed up the card. So I, I think we're going to see that this year. Uh, so maybe they're doing the slow build, slow burn. Obviously, it looks like they're kind of slowly turning Seth Rollins into a face. Yeah. I also found it interesting that Roman Reigns is trying to finagle his way into the universal title picture at Clash of Champions. He gets the chance to fight Kevin Owens on Raw tomorrow night. And if Roman... Hold on, let me let me say it right. Roman Reigns, with the very wet hair, is victorious against Kevin Owens tomorrow. Then the Universal Championship match goes from a one-on-one to a triple threat. Right. Wait a minute. If, I feel like this has happened before, where somebody kind of just was like, you know what, if I win my match, I should make this match, you know, I win and then becomes a triple threat match. I feel like it's, like, recently... I can't put my my finger on it, but it's like, it feels like it's happened before, like recently, where somebody was like, well, you know, they're like, well, if you win your match against so-and-so, your, you know, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match with AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose will become a triple threat match. I feel like that's happened before. Right. With like a Dolph Ziggler or something like that, and he kind of tried to get, you know, his way into that match. Or, or, Or like the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match with the Shield guys a couple months ago. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, it just it feels like it's not like they've done this before or anything. Well, they don't always book very well, but like you know, on the whole, whatever. On the whole, preparation age feels good. It does. Uh, so you know, with backlash happening now. It, you know, I almost think that we should give, like, a, a brief little uh, report card for, like, Raw and SmackDown and what they've done since the brand split became official a couple of months ago. Honestly, I think overall, booking-wise, they've done some interesting things. They've called this the new era. I like the new set. I like a lot of the new things that they've done, like having uh, post-match interviews in the ring or outside of the ring, having the Raw commentators in the crowd, a lot of like little tidbits from old school stuff, booking wise for the most part I think they've done a good job by putting the new guys a little bit more forward I mean how how often have you seen John Cena on your TV? Not that much, you know and you what seen he's done SummerSlam. He, he's put over AJ Styles, you, you know so they're putting the guys that are new faces, not necessarily new to wrestling, new newer faces over, which I, I think is great. And I think overall, I, I would give them a good solid like B B plus. Uh, personally, for me, I think I I think I like SmackDown overall, but I think each show has kind of developed their niche. Like you have the squash matches on Raw, which are entertaining as hell, seeing. You know, the Jake Ells, James Ellsworth, James Ellsworth, James Ellsworth, uh, getting his head planted into the ring for like the 
uh, 10,000th time. Two million views, by the way, from me. Uh, and, you know, Nia Jax with her squash matches. And with SmackDown, you know, they've kind of done... I think everybody assumed, like, Apollo Crews was going to be going over on Miz, and then they kind of flip the switch with Miz, where Miz becomes, like, a badass and best version of himself ever. So, you know, they've got that. I think with SmackDown, they've got Smack Talk Live, which has almost become must-see between that Miz segment, between some of the other little things that they've uh, kind of done, like, they ended up having, like, the Usos come in and uh, kind of explain themselves after they attacked American Alpha. Stuff like that is really making that, like I said, basically must-see TV. They, they're making it something important. I just enjoy a lot of the things they're doing. I wish Raw would go back to two hours, but it's not going to happen because WWE makes a lot of extra money from that. Uh but overall, I like the direction they're going in. I think they've actually done a better job than they have in years of actually putting the new talent to make them look like stars. And hopefully it will, like like I've mentioned in post uh, past podcasts, they've built a pretty good foundation that hopefully this will lead to a new like boom. I don't know if it'll be a boom in the United States, but maybe it'll be a boom worldwide where maybe WWE ends up bigger in, like, Japan, or bigger in Mexico, or bigger in Russia, or Germany, or wherever. I think they may be experiencing something big soon. That's an awesome assessment, Jay. You hit all the points very well. Here's my assessment, and Bobby the Brainless is... Report card, and believe me, this report card is going to be a lot better looking than Hacksaw Jim Duggins ever did. I'm going to break it down a little bit. He graduated college. Don't get me started, okay? I I, I don't have enough time to sit here and laugh for 45 minutes and pee my pants three times. Sure. So we're gonna we're gonna skip that. Okay. I'm going to break it down a little bit to each show. Sure. Raw and SmackDown of this new era, since they did the brand split. Each show has its pros and cons. Monday Night Raw, their biggest pros. They're they're making a big deal promoting, you know, the Universal Championship. I understand it's a new title and everything. They're putting the Kevin Owenses out there. Finn Balor's. The Finn Balor's out there. They're giving these new guys an opportunity to shine and become, you know, part of, like, the mainstay of being the future Be main of eventers. The... Right. I like what they're doing with that. I like how they're promoting the tag teams on Monday Night Raw, whether it's Enzo and Big Cass doing their thing. Any show that those two are on is going to be a premiere show. They're going to give it credibility. The New Day, Anderson and Gallows. Those three tag teams are going to carry Monday Night Raw, and they have three very strong tag teams that can carry Monday Night Raw. Them bringing in Bailey, fantastic move. She's a great addition to the Monday Night Raw team. Bunch of, that's a lot of the pros. Cons. They keep shoving Roman Reigns down everybody's throats. They're shoving Seth Rollins down people's throats. 
I like the fact that they gave, you know, Big Cass an opportunity in the Universal Championship match. I thought that was great. It was even better that Kevin Owens won it. We'll get into that. But to me, Monday Night Raw is based upon one person. Like, they are Monday Night Raw. And this is my personal opinion. I feel like the focal point of Raw is Stephanie McMahon. And I have a problem with that. Because unlike SmackDown, SmackDown is about the superstars that are there. It's not about Shane. It's not about Daniel Bryan. They're just there to put a really good show out there on SmackDown, whereas on Raw, it's all about Stephanie. Stephanie is the focal point. SmackDown now, I'm going to flip it a little bit. I love what they're doing with the women's division over there. They're putting a lot of emphasis on the championship and all, you know, being like the new title and everything. Yeah, being the first champion and ever for that title. For SmackDown, and... They're promoting the six women that are in this match. They're putting a lot of emphasis on the women's division over there, even though they have one less hour to do it in than Raw does. They're doing a fantastic job with it. Same thing with the tag team division. Obviously, they made a couple, you know, they brought in a makeshift tag team of Heath Slater and Rhino, and it's working. Heath Slater has won the hearts of the WWE Universe with his family and his tra- and his extended trailer park and his above ground pool and what have you, it's working. AJ Styles is becoming the face of SmackDown. He is the face that runs the place. He, you know, they're promoting him, and they have guys like The Miz who have been there for a long time that are promoting themselves and putting themselves out there and making them a bigger star on SmackDown, bringing some. I can't even think of the the right. Uh, Making the Intercontinental Championship important, more relevant than it has been. They got guys like Dolph Ziggler. You know what you're going to get out of him. You got guys like Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. SmackDown as a whole is a much better show than Monday Night Raw. The cons that I have with SmackDown is they... I get the whole... The squash matches that they're having on Raw... I love the the Braun Strowman squash matches. I love the Nia Jax squash matches. They they make a lot of sense. You're going out there and having the Milkman or Fandango going out there and cutting promos, and Kane goes out and choke slams them. Really? Is that really new era of the WWE? You're just going to have Kane go out and choke slam people? Him and the Big Show should have retired. Those are kind of like nothing Kane, segment. Kane. Kane should have retired years ago. So should have the Big Show, and so should have Mark Henry. But Kane more so than the other two. He's kind of been like a broken down, has been. Obviously, he'll be in the Hall of Fame at some point in his career. Maybe he should have just went into politics like he was talking about doing. He's just not the same big red monster that he once was. The guy who was in phenomenal shape that can scale up the... The, t- the, the well, top the row of like is, is he still does all that. Uh, honestly, like I think Kane is just doing the honors. I mean, obviously you get older, but like the dude's still in really good shape. He's like I don't know if he's fifty or pushing fifty. I think Kane's still pretty good. Like is fu- like honestly, I think they're trying to shine him up right now, make him into a big deal. Because I mean, corporate Kane did the honors so many times. Demon Kane has done the honors so many times. They need to make him look a little bit strong to put 
somebody over. I don't know who in the end is going to benefit from that. I understand that they're using Kane for the the end will justify the means. I think Kane's career is kind of winding down because like you you don't see him in matches as much lately. Because uh, I, I think you know he's getting he, up there. He, he's getting up there in age. Honestly, I I would have. For me, I would have rather seen, like, the big show retire years ago. Mark Henry, I mean, I think probably had his best run a few years back when he did the Hall of Pain thing, but injuries have kind of plagued him the last couple of years. That just happens when you get older. But I also That's like, just me. I would also like to bring up the biggest con of SmackDown. The suspended biggest con? Actually, no, I, she, she wasn't even part of this whole thing. I completely forgot about her because I really just don't care about Eva Marie anymore. What separates Monday Night Raw and gives it a slight edge over SmackDown in one area is the broadcast team. The broadcast team of Monday Night Raw, say what you will about Michael Cole, the guy's been there forever. When he was the chicken shit heel a few years back and he did the, and I loved it when he did the, uh, he was the voice behind the the anonymous raw general manager. That was one of my favorite things about wrestling, you know, back a few years ago. Michael Cole is a is a mainstay on the broadcast team. The guy's been there forever. He's earned his spot in the broadcast team. I won't take that away from Michael Cole. He might be an annoying buttwad, but like I said, it's respect. I respect what he does. I don't respect who he is, but I respect what he does. Byron Saxton, eh, kind of like on the fence a little bit. He's not bad. He's not good. There's obviously guys out there that He's are much better than David Osaka. You didn't even let me get a chance to get to my, my biggest con of SmackDown, and you just ruined it, Jay. Anyway, Corey Graves has been an awesome addition to the to the Monday Night Raw team. He really plays that heel role as a broadcaster very well. He's not on par with Jesse Ventura or Bobby the Brain Heenan wa- were yeah. back in the day. Yet, he has the capability of being what JBL has been, or how JBL was before when he first took part of the broadcast team. But I like Corey Graves. I like Corey Graves a lot. He's my favorite broadcaster from the Monday Night Raw team. That team is definitely better than the SmackDown team. It's not an insult towards Mauro Ranallo, and it's obviously not an insult at John Bradshaw Layfield. There is one guy on that SmackDown team that really has no right being there, and that's David Otunga. He's terrible. I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. When he first got named over there, I was defending him to people. I'm like, you know, just give him some time. You know, it, it just it takes... You know, a lot of experience. You're only going to get better by the more you're going out there. And the more they put him out there, I'm just like, God, give me a fucking gun and let me put it against my skull and blow my fucking brains out. Because that's less painful than listening to David Otunga try to freaking break down a wrestling match. He's got no he's got no charisma. He's He's got no character. He's just bland. You know, vanilla ice cream, you know, vanilla ice cream is David Otunga. Because that's, that's how they describe it. I, all right, so letter grades overall. All right, so to give you a grade, I would give Monday Night Raw a B plus. All right, I think that as a show in general, um, 
He's got a lot of talent. The whole the whole universal thing. All that stuff. The whole universal thing, like I said, is mainly why they're getting a B plus. Why I'm giving it only a B plus is like I said before with the whole Stephanie McMahon thing. I give SmackDown a slight edge with an A minus. Mainly because of the fact that they do a lot to promote that show in an hour less of time than what Monday Night Raw has. They have you know, they have Mauro Ranallo being like the new guy of the, the broadcast team. I like Mauro Ranallo. I like JBL. AJ Styles is is really like him and Dean Ambrose carrying the show is one of the best ideas. Plus the fact that we haven't seen John Cena since SummerSlam. So I have to give them an A minus for that. <laughs> and, and and to be perfectly honest, if they've had like you know, a, a wet t-shirt contest between all the women on SmackDown, I would have given it an A++. But because they haven't done it, I'm going to give it an A-. I give SmackDown a slight edge over Raw as a total product between the two shows, not discounting Monday Night Raw. It's just, come on, three hours is just too much. That's my big thing. Uh, so before I gave them both, like an over, it was like an overall B. I, I would say it was like... Raw, I would give like a B, and SmackDown B plus again. I that third hour just is so killer. They only have so many times where they actually do like a good job doing three hours. So, uh, you know that that's it in a nutshell. But you know, moving on to uh, like uh, this week's cruiserweight classic, which uh, really solid stuff this week. Uh, I thought uh, the better of the two matches was the uh, uh, Rich Swan and uh, who the heck did he go against? T.J. Perkins. T.J. Perkins. I thought they told a great story in the ring, uh, and you know they those guys do with the cruiserweight classic. Like in general, I've found that there are a lot of little things that they do in the ring that you just don't see on WWE television uh, that, you know, make it look a little bit more legit. Like, you see guys, like, where they'll, like, grab somebody's fingers and they, like, twist them into knots where, like, you know, I know that if somebody's twisting my hand like that, that's going to hurt like hell. You see little things like that where they're telling the story of that in the match and they do just do moves differently right and it just when you see something like that you're like speaking of vanilla it makes wwe kind of wrestling look vanilla because they don't often add these like new little elements that you're like wow that all right all right so i like the little extra bits of storytelling you, you get from the cruiserweight classic Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, had a good, solid match uh, against uh, against uh, Noam Dar. Noam Dar. Uh, so far, for the most part, Dar has not impressed me in the tournament. But uh, being in with Zack Sabre, who actually was the guy who trained him, I'm sure helped him out a lot. Uh, Dar already has a WWE contract, uh, and I think WWE right now is trying to sign Zack Sabre Jr. and We'll see what happens with that because I again I think if 
Saber ends up signing with WWE. That would be a huge uh, addition to the to the team. Uh, I, I think him uh, and Ibushi, if both of them sign, I, I think Ibushi ends up winning the Cruiserweight Classic. But I, I think it comes down to like whether one of these guys wins. Uh, it, it's going to come down to whether or not they sign. And I think both of them are holding out on signing to get the best deal they can. When the Cruiserweight Classic first came out and they announced the brackets of the 32 guys, it was before we even started this podcast. And there was a couple of guys that really stuck out to me, and I'm like, you know what? I can definitely see these guys winning this this tournament. Uh, Kota Ibushi was definitely one of them that really stuck out to me. Very well known in Japan. Got to give that to somebody. Zack Sabre was the other one. And this week with the Cruiserweight Classic, just like every other week, has been fantastic wrestling. The the two matches that were this week, you know, between Sabre and Dar was really good. The uh, the TJ Perkins and Rich Swan obviously did not, you know, disappoint the fans. Definitely lived up to the hype. I love the fact that they did the storyline between the two of them, like you said, with Zack Sabre being the trainer for Noam Dar, so it kind of built up into that storyline. Also with the TJ Perkins and Rich Swan, you know, they're friends. They worked together in the independent circuit for a very long time. They kind of cut a promo at the end of it about whether or not they were going to be friends afterwards once this match was over and done with. I love what they're doing. I really do. The Cruiserweight Classic has been A+. It really has been. Uh, Ronaldo and Daniel Bryan every single week keep entertaining me. They keep doing a fantastic job. I love the two of them doing this. Well, but and unlike Otunga, who has kind of done nothing, Bryan has gotten much better. Morrow's always kind of been a pretty good just professional broadcaster out right. there. Uh, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks back or maybe last week, I think Morrow, his level of excitement as he's announcing more fits the Cruiserweight Classic versus like sometimes on SmackDown he gets really excited and you hear nothing from the crowd. So it's like it feels like a faked excitement Right. where I think he fits in perfectly with the Cruiserweight Classic. And the in-ring product being so good having a hyped-up audience and having the announcers actually telling the story of what's going on because Daniel Bryan, having been in the ring, you know, lends a bit of legitimacy. But, like, all of those things together combined to, like, make this awesome product. I mean, there really have been very few, like, missteps. Uh, and I agree, like, Cruiserweight Classics, ap- absolute A+. I hope they do it again next year and see how that goes. So they're doing a Cruiserweight Classic finale on uh, Wednesday, and they're having the semifinals and the finals, and it's going to be a two-hour special on the network. Uh, It's going to be awesome. It's going to be hard for them to not have an awesome show. I agree with that. I'm really looking forward to the final four of this tournament. Like I said, the other, you know, the, the the more into this tournament that they get, the you know, the deeper into the tournament they get, the better the matchups have gotten, the better the matches have gotten. God, I really, I, I really want to pick somebody to win this thing, but it's just really tough because 
It really All right, gun is. to your head. We have to make a prediction because this is our last it's, podcast before. Okay, so is Grand Metalik, am I correct? Or is it uh, uh, Grand Metalik? Versus Kota Ibushi. Yep. And then it's Zack Sabre versus TJ Perkins. Yep. So it's two guys that have already signed First. with the WWE versus two guys that have yet to sign with the WWE. I can't. I've brought this up on numerous occasions on this podcast, and I am a horse racing fan. And the number one rule when it comes to gambling, if you were to put money on something, if you were going to bet on something, is you never second-guess yourself. Always go with your gut, and your first instinct is usually the best instinct. So when I first saw this tournament come out, the two names that really stuck out to me were Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre. I'm sticking with those. I think that Kota Who's Ibushi, going to win? I'm going to get to that. You, you're just Spit being, it out. Okay. I, I'm Zach Sabre. I agree. That, that, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Zach Sabre. I could have gone in-depth on it, but you were getting a little too antsy over there. I don't understand why the Patriots don't kick off for another several hours. Eight hours. But, yeah, I like Zach Sabre over Kota Ibushi. I think that ultimately one of those two is going to end up winning it. Would I be surprised if Kota Ibushi won it? No. Would I be surprised if TJ Perkins pulled off the upset and beat Zack Sabre? No. I think that one it's possible that one of the two guys that signed with the WWE ultimately get the upper hand. Hell, all we know is it could be Grand Metalik versus uh, TJ Perkins in the finals. It could be. Like, Honestly, I just get the feeling that Ibushi is more planted in his desire to he wants to work with WWE but he wants to work in other places and I don't think they're going to accept that so I just think he's not going to sign where I think Zack Sabre eventually is going to oh if I if I had to choose between either Sabre or Ibushi to sign with WWE in the near future I'm going with Zack Sabre and that's ultimately why I'm taking Zack Sabre to win it. Not to discount what he's done in the ring in this entire tournament. He's been very impressive in every match that he's had. I'm going with Zack Sabre because he's he's one of those guys that's really impressed me in this tournament. There's been other guys that have impressed me, but they're already out. I'm going with Zack Sabre. All right, so we both got Zack Sabre, and we'll see if we're both wrong. Probably. All right, so... Uh... You know, th- this week, uh, WWE-wise, uh, y- you know, it was kind of up and down. I'm looking forward to Backlash tonight. But for me, uh, talking markout moment of the week, for me, <laughs> it wasn't even that big of a moment. But Byron Saxton during, like, the the Kevin Owens celebration was, he said a couple of things. And then Corey Graves just looked over at him and just said, Byron, you sound like a guy who's won second place a lot. And I just lost my mind. I was laughing for like the next five minutes, and I thought it was outstanding. Well, if that's what your markout moment is, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty funny when it happened. But it looks like Goldberg's record of undefeated streak is going to come to an end this week. Because Bobby the Brainless 
might actually come. No, my luck. I'm probably going to lose to this. I mean, you could probably say like a like a ham sandwich playing a harmonica would be better than like a planet blowing up. And I would say the planet blowing up and a ham sandwich hit, playing the harmonica. Are you going to get to a point at some point? <laughs> Look, listen there, Mr. Patriots fan. You know, don't sound too deflated because I'm taking a little bit too long to. Come up with my mark out moment, but I I'm think you go know to the bathroom. While I think you I think I think this. you know I think you know where I'm going with this <laughs> because only somebody with two hands have a fighting chance in our mark out moment of the week poll. And you know what? By God, Bobby the Brainless has two hands. He finally came up with a mark out moment that's going to top yours. I'm going with Heath Slater, Rhino, and the Slater family as Bobby the Brainless's mark out moment of the week. Fantastic. The whole thing they're doing with Heath Slater has been fantastic. I hope he wins tonight. I hope they walk out with the tag team titles. Ultimately, I don't think they're going to do it. You know, hoping in one hand and seeing what happens in the other. Or as they say, you know, hoping one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up faster. I hope he does because, you know what, that guy needs a new pool. And a double wide. And And a double wide trailer. So... Uh, we, those are our markout moments of the week, and uh, kind of something we didn't mention yet. Should we talk about football before we we close up real quick? I don't know. Uh, I, I think mean, football's it, starting soon. You know, the football. You know, football starts today. Today is the first Sunday of the NFL season. Um, I figure maybe we could spend a couple minutes talking about football real quick before we uh, end the podcast. Before we talk about that certain guy in the Royal Rumble, yes, a certain okay. guy, in the, yes, a certain thing that we typically end our podcast on. Uh, your thoughts on the NFL season this year, Jay? Um, honestly, like this year, like uh, most years, you always kind of had an idea who the strongest teams were going in. I don't have a strong feeling, like as a Patriot fan, uh, I. Th- think they might be the strongest team in the AFC because they made some upgrades on offense, but you also have Tom Brady who's missing four games. Now, does that in in the end actually help them? Because you have a guy who, 39 years old, who playing quarterback position, does having four games off help him? You know, a couple of years ago, Peyton Manning, you know, getting a little older, had a good first, like, two-thirds or three-quarters of the season and more or less fell off a cliff. Right. Uh, So in my – I try to be objective about this stuff, uh, but, I mean, I think the Patriots might be the best team in the AFC. Uh, Steelers, I I think once all of their – with Le'Veon Bell, I think they're, you know, a really good team that could beat anybody. But there, Le'Veon Bell is in the same situation that Brady's in. He's going to miss the first four games. Obviously, Brady's but they have Roethlisberger, the... who I think, like, having, you know, they have a good, competent quarterback where the Patriots have a mystery man. Jimmy G. I, you, you just don't know how it's going to end up. You know, simple little things like home field could end up, because the Patriots, you know, go one and three or two and two versus going two and two or three and one here, you know, that could 
mean huge things. I mean, last year I'm convinced if the Patriots ended up winning the uh I think they had a game against the Jets they should have won. They had a game against Miami in the end of the season they should have won, and they didn't. They ended up having to go to Denver. I think the Patriots would have won if the FC title game wasn't Foxborough. Little things like that really end up meaning big things. Agreed. Um, my, My assessment real quick, I actually have a few predictions I'd like to get out there. Sure. Brady missing four games. It's not going to matter. All right. Patriots are still going to win the AFC East. They are just too much of a offensive powerhouse. Obviously, week one they're gonna ha- they're gonna struggle because of the fact that a they don't have Brady and b they don't have Gronk. Yeah, Arizona's gonna take the game. I think the four games off is gonna help Brady because, like you said, he's old and everything. Brady Brady and the Patriots take the East. Well, yeah, AFC yeah. North. Pittsburgh. How do you, how do you go up against the against the Steelers? They they're just a perennial team. They have the best running back in the NFL when he's not suspended. They have the best wide receiver in the NFL, and you can't teach that. They still got Roethlisberger. Defense might have some holes, but Baltimore's not that good. Cleveland's not that good. Cincinnati, meh. Uh, well, I mean, Cincinnati is the the fam- literally the famous paper tiger. Like, you know what? They they've got a a good solid team, but when it's all on the line, they always find a way to choke it away. Right. South, I think with. Andrew Luck coming back to the Colts makes them the favorites to win the division. They have Dante Moncrief and T.Y. Hilton as the wide receivers. They still have the ageless wonder Frank Gore at running back. They really need to address the offensive line. Defense, meh. I still think that the team that has the best divi- the best quarterback in that division ultimately wins the South. I think the Colts end up taking it. I think that the Titans are going to be a much improved team. I think Jacksonville is going to be a much improved team. Houston, not completely sold on their quarterback situation. I'm not sold on their quarterback situation, but they probably have the best player in the league, J.J. Watt. Yeah. Honestly, that defense, I think, gives them a shot at the division. But, again, having a question mark at quarterbacks, always it's always tough. You, you There aren't a lot of teams that could win on defense alone. Obviously, last year the Broncos ended up winning basically on defense alone. But, the Ravens in 2001. But those are so rare. You know. Hell, the 85 Bears won with Jim McMahon as their quarterback. Jim McMahon was successful even when he was on the Eagles. But so. he wasn't a great quarterback. He was just a serviceable quarterback is what I was getting at. Yeah. So, I mean, if Houston has a serviceable, like, if Osweiler is serviceable, they'll have a shot. I think they have a shot. I think Jacksonville is going to be the most because improved team. Indy of that division is notorious for having a bad defense. Yeah, and they're going to continue to have a bad defense. So, I still think that the Colts they have the, they have the second best quarterback in the NFL. I'm sorry, I still think that Andrew Luck is better than everybody but Aaron Rodgers. How many interceptions has did that guy throw last year and the year before? He got hurt last year, and they were they barely they barely missed the playoffs. He's. I. I think he's too much of a different. He's the best quarterback in that division. I like Blake Bortles. I really do. I like Mariota. Titans will be a little bit better than they were last year. I think Jacksonville is going to be the most improved team in that division. Would I be surprised if Jacksonville ultimately won the South? No. I'm going with the Colts because Andrew Luck is the best quarterback in that division. West. Kansas City's going to win it. All right. I know that the Broncos just had their game on on Thursday and they beat the the team they just beat in the Super Bowl. I'm still not convinced. 
Denver's defense isn't the same that it was last year. Trevor Simeon is still the starting quarterback. C.J. Anderson has kind of established himself as, all right, now you just give me the rock and I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to run the ball. I like Kansas City. They have a much better defense than Denver does. They have a sad to say, but Kansas City has a better quarterback than Denver does. Wide receivers are no. I think Denver has some better wide receivers. I just think all in all, as a team, I that Kansas City is just better. I think Kansas City is a more well-rounded team. I think how far they go will depend on the health of Jamal Charles. Oh, I agree with that. I I think. Even if Charles gets hurt, I think they're still good enough to be a good, solid playoff team. Uh, but, you know, if they're going to make a deep run to, into the playoffs, they need Charles healthy, and that has been a big question mark just because of the way he runs. So, And a team I, I, keep, I did not mention as part of the AFC West is the Raiders. I love the Raiders. They're a good young team. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. I don't think they can win the division, but I can see Oakland making it as a wild card. I think Oakland and Jacksonville are my picks to be the wild card teams in the AFC to go with New England, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and Kansas City, which pretty much means that I'm completely throwing out the defending Super Bowl champions from not even making the playoffs, let alone winning their division. So uh, then we go on to the NFC. Uh, Honestly, I don't think Seattle is what they were. Obviously not having, uh, you know, the beast. I mean, that severely cuts down their game because, I mean, really, they were kind of built on defense. I wouldn't say that when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago that it was just defense. I mean, you had beat the beast, and you had Russell Wilson, who, you know, serviceable quarterback, and I think he's grown as a quarterback. He's gotten a bit better but I don't know if he's quite ready to be the guy that the offense is completely based off of. And losing Marshawn Lynch is big. I think Seattle has a chance to be the representative in the NFC. They, they do. I just don't think there's a clear-cut. Oh, no, they're, they're not the clear-cut favorite to win the NFC. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC this year. Uh, them, Arizona, Green Bay, to name a few. Um well, I, I completely agree with you with the whole Russell Wilson uh, I, I think opinion he, uh, and everything. And I, I think he definitely can take them to the playoffs. I don't know if he can take them to the Super Bowl unless they get, you know, it's not, I'm not saying that they can't get a replacement for Marshawn Lynch or somebody right. who could at least do enough to kind of make up for that, but. It, they still have a good defense, and they're they're definitely built around their defense. But they were deep, uh, built around the defense and running the ball. Russell Wilson just was was a good player. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens with them when, if Jimmy Graham can actually develop into the tight end he was when he was with New Orleans. Sure. Obviously, going from Drew Brees to Russell Wilson are two completely different quarterbacks. Um, ultimately, we'll see how it goes with that. Divisional wise, NFC East. I'm making my homer pick on this one. I'm picking the New York Giants to win the NFC East. I think that Dallas has no pass rush. Half of their defense is suspended. Tony Romo's out to start the season. Ezekiel Elliott is still a rookie running back. He's going to be good in the in the in the future, but again, he's still a rookie running back. Philadelphia sucks. That's all I'm going to say about the Eagles. They just suck. I wouldn't pick the Eagles to do anything other than to suck this year. Washington, I think Kirk Cousins might have an off year this year. 
Josh Norman claims to be the best corner in the NFL. Odell Beckham has kind of shut his mouth the last time they played against each other. I'm not com- completely convinced with Washington's defense. They have a couple of good wide receivers, but they're getting a little long in the tooth. Running game isn't the same as it was. They lost Alfred Morris. I think that with the Giants, they've made a lot of additions to defense. I think they're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback because that was the bread and butter of what made the Giants the juggernaut that won the two Super Bowls in the last eight years is they put pressure on the quarterback. I think they finally have that. Victor Cruz appears to be healthy. Eli Manning is still Eli Schmanning. And most importantly, old man Coughlin is not running the helm for the New York Giants. I'm taking the Giants to win the NFC East. Might be a homer pick. I know I'm not the only person in the planet that actually thinks the Giants can win the NFC East. That's what I'm going with for the East. Uh, I'll I'll go with the Redskins, but I, I mean, I'm so tepid in that. Like, the Redskins, like, the, you know, they went to the playoffs last year, and they were all right. But, like, there's nothing on their team that screams wow. But, you know, I think they've got competent coaches. I think they finally have, like, I think Cousins is kind of a competent quarterback. Uh, for me, th- I, the problem I always have with whether or not I pick the Giants is Eli is just kind of like regular season. He's been kind of inconsistent where like he will like light up teams that you wouldn't think he could light up. And then there's teams that he should light up that he doesn't. So I just have a hard time picking anybody is like a, like, Oh, they're definitely going like, it's hard to find a, a path for, for the Cowboys. Uh, I know the Eagles just traded away uh, Sam Bradford. He wasn't any good anyway. I think the talent was there with Bradford. I think uh, injuries and things like that kind of stunted him a lot. Uh, But I I don't know enough about the Eagles where I could say one way or another what they're going to be. And a lot of times you go into the season, you, you think one thing and, there's always a few teams where it's like they come out of nowhere. I don't know enough about the Eagles to know that they're going to suck, but they're not. They're not going to be. They're not going to be the team that's going to surprise anybody. Okay. They have a rookie quarterback starting who hasn't played much in the preseason. From a, he had like a like a fracture in his rib cage and hasn't played that much. I their wide receivers are nothing to be. Okay. I just, I just, I, and obviously it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm a Giants fan. I, I, honestly, and I, I think it's, it's the Redskins or the Giants division. Oh, yeah. If the Giants don't win it, it's going to be Washington that wins the division, and it wouldn't surprise me. And, and it'll probably be like a 9-7 and seven or 10-6 thing. It's not going Pretty to be much. like somebody who... Nobody's nobody's gonna run away with that division at thirteen and three because it never happens. But speaking of thirteen and three, I got the Packers winning the NFC North. Uh, I I don't. I I honestly can't uh, argue against that. I mean, the only other team that seems like they're kind of building something is possibly Minnesota. I with um, Teddy Bridgewater getting hurt really hurt the. the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot the, about Bridgewater. They lost the, they lost the, the leader year. of their uh, of their offense. Uh, obviously, they still have the best running back in the NFL. Packers have the best quarterback in the NFL. The Lions lost their best offensive threat when Calvin Johnson retired. Yeah, so I don't and think they've got I, much I, of a shot of anything. Chicago. That's the Bears. They're just uh, an embarrassment. Now, is Cutler still their quarterback? Cause yeah, if he he's, is, he's, he's still the quarterback there. I don't know 
how that is physically possible, how Jay Cutler and his diabetes are still the starting quarterback with the Bears. Again, he's a dude who has phenomenal, like, raw talent, but, like, he's J.D. Drew. I don't know if he's just super stutter, stubborn and, like, thinks, like, I've got the arm. I can fit in this uh, this tiny gap. And it's like he's been picked off so many times because he was so arrogant about what his arm could do. So I, the Bears will, ne- will never be a serious threat as long as that guy's a quarterback. I agree. I couldn't agree more either. Uh, Detroit's got some issues. Chicago is just an issue in itself. Minnesota losing their starting quarterback right before the season started hurt them. Packers have the best quarterback in the NFL. They're getting back their number one target in Jordy Nelson. The defense is still a, a viable yeah. unit. Packers are going to be the team that wins the NFC North, and I also think the Packers are going to be the team that wins the NFC, period. Yep. South, how do you go against Carolina? I know they lost on Thursday. You know, just get that first loss out of the way. You're going up against a team that's – probably on par with you you're on the road and obviously you know blowing a lead like that it is what it is I still think that the Panthers have the best quarterback in that division New Orleans has a lot of question marks on their defense I think it could be a comeback year for Breeze possibly uh, Breeze is going to have old Breeze is going to have a good year I know he's getting old but I think Breeze will have a good solid year for the Saints Uh, Tampa Bay is going to be a much improved team I like Jameis Winston He's really developed into one of the better young quarterbacks. Let's see how he does in his second year in the NFL. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a franchise are just a absolute train wreck, you know, firing head coaches after a year and, and whatnot. And Now, do you think a sophomore slump for Winston, or do you think he makes a progression this year? Because, uh, I mean, the Buccaneers were a joke for a while, but, I mean, they had some legit wins last year. I think that they're. I think they're going to be on par with what they did last year. I don't. I don't see them. I don't see them lighting the world on fire. Can I see I mean, them going like, like seven and nine? Yeah, I can see them going like seven and nine, eight and eight. Maybe it really depends on how the possibly rest of this goes. borderline playoffs. They, they could. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. I think that's a that's a giant leap. I think that after you know next season will be the year that the Bucks will be one of the perennial teams of the NFC. I still think they're another year away. They have a new head coach this year, their offensive coordinator. So that means that Winston's going to be in his second year on the team with a second different offensive coordinator. Honestly, Carolina still has a good defense. Cam Newton is still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. They just they got back their, their number one threat in Calvin Benjamin. I think Carolina ends up winning the South by default. I I can't really go against Carolina winning the division, but like New Orleans is such a wild card. I I could see them going five and eleven. I could also tend to see them, you know, being like ten and six or eleven and five. Like I just don't know with that team. Like, and they've had a couple of years where like they've been down, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh oh yeah, they're legit again. And it's just I don't. Freaking no, they are like Jekyll and Hyde, oh, yeah. and it's year to year. And I don't know if this is going to be the year where they're good or if they're going to suck. And you know, time to get a new franchise quarterback. Right. Be interesting because they just gave him a new extension. So, but I I agree with what you said, and I think it's funny that we didn't even bring up the Falcons because they're just kind of a joke. 
And I, and I know my cousin's <laughs> not listening to it. They have some talent, but... They have one of the two best receivers in the NFL, and they have a, a very good young running back that they really... They kind of just, like, blossomed last year. Kind of hope he carries over this year. He's on my fantasy team. <laughs> but... <laughs> To be fair, I mean, I know, I'm not. I'm, I was never a huge Matt Ryan fan. I think he's kind of overrated. Falcons defense, they, it needs some work to be done. But I think it's, like I said, it's Carolina's division to win by default. Yeah. So uh, honestly, Super Bowl. Uh, you forgot the West. We talked the West though. Arizona's going to win that division. Oh, oh, okay. I think Arizona's going to win the division. I I like Carson Palmer, a very experienced quarterback. Their defense. Was was nasty last year, and oh by the way, they brought in Chandler Jones to play linebacker for them, who they got from the Patriots. Yeah. Seattle has a really good defense. They're going to be another juggernaut. The two of them are just going to beat the crap out of each other. Luckily for them, they get to play the sappy San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim, straight out of Compton or whatever the hell they're going to call themselves, or St. Louis. Or, um, I think the two of them are going to beat each other up. Whoever doesn't win the division between the two teams will ultimately be the wild card. I I think that if Arizona goes thirteen and three, Seattle's going twelve and four. Seattle goes twelve and four, Arizona will go eleven and five. You know stuff like that. Sure. I think that's how it'll end up going. Other wild card team, I would say Minnesota, but it's it's hard to because of the losing Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say Washington. All right. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be between Arizona and Seattle in the in the West. Uh, I'll, I'll pick Arizona. Uh, honestly, I think it really kind of all falls on whether or not Carson Palmer is healthy again. Oh, yes, I agree. If he's healthy, they're going to be really good. And I'm not saying Carson Palmer is the next coming of Jesus. He's, you know, a good above-average NFL quarterback. He's a solid player. Uh, but their defense is so stacked that, you know, you don't need an Aaron Rodgers to be on the to be the quarterback for that team to win. And I think it's I think it's going to end up being Arizona against Green Bay and I think Green Bay does win the AFC title. NFC. Yeah. NFC. I, I agree 100% on you. I think it's going to be Green Bay and Arizona in the championship game. Um, AFC-wise, I, I, I don't know. Uh, like Again, my, my homer pick, it's going to be the Patriots. I I almost see the it's going to be Patriots-Steelers. And, I mean, I, I know you were, you're, you're high on Andrew Luck. Uh, I, I, I do think. The same thing. I think it's going to end up being New England and Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game. I think we are going to get a Super Bowl rematch. I think it's going to be New England and Green Bay because that would just be unbelievable. You got Tom Brady, who people say is the greatest quarterback of all time, versus Aaron Rodgers, who people are saying greatest is the best quarterback right now is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Sorry, Jay, if that was to happen, if it's Green Bay and New England in the Super Bowl, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. The better quarterback will prevail that night, and Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady right at this moment. I will. Obviously, a kajillion things will happen between now and the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if somebody 
on, let's say, Green Bay's defense gets hurt, uh, with Tom Brady with all the weapons on that team, and that's assuming everybody is healthy on uh, the Patriots, going to be tough to stop that offense. Even if Rodgers is the better quarterback, Brady, I think, has more weapons. Not better, necessarily better. He has more. Uh, I would say Jordy Nelson versus Gronk, as far as like being a best weapon, kind of on Gronk. par. It's Gronk. Gronk's the best offensive weapon in the NFL. And you get like uh, Bennett as a second tight end option. Oh, the black unicorn. I mean, honestly, uh, probably the best tight end since the murderer uh, that they've had on the other side of uh, on the other side of the ball. Uh, and honestly, I think uh, you know you get like Julian Edelman. And you got Danny Amendola, you know, Edelman's going to catch 115 passes as long as, again, all of this is like, it's such a ferocious game. You don't know who's going to get injured and when they're going to get injured. If you're looking at it, like where both teams are completely healthy, I'm going to get to my point finally that, you know, I honestly think Green Bay would win. But... (laughs) I mean, all we know is that it could be the Giants and the Patriots for a third time, and the Giants will win 24-21. You never know. I mean, all we know is it could be uh, it could be Arizona and Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl again. It could be Seattle and Indianapolis in the Super Bowl. Or, I mean, the only thing that we can guarantee is it's not going to be the Eagles. Right. Just saying. <laughs> or the Jets. And with all of that said... I think this is the perfect segue. I don't know why. <laughs> but, you know, Jay, today being the first day of the, uh, the first Sunday of the NFL season, it being 9/11 and everything, doesn't mean that we have to forget about the most important part of days when it comes to this podcast. Do you realize 594 days ago a particular athlete entered the Royal Rumble? And that particular athlete is still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble. And his name? Curtis Axe. And on that note, I'm Ja Rule. And I'm Bobby the Brainless. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your Sunday watching football.